the Fiona. Number 167. The one where I expay in Iglatin pay. <laughs> the Fiona's podcast. <laughs> Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo remnants out there. I'm David Getty. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the Theonauts. Did you not get my intro at all? He was talking in code, so I was going to talk in code. Okay. Okay. I I think I kind of got you. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it was a stretch, wasn't it? It was a total stretch. Oh, well, I tried really hard all for five seconds to come up with an intro. I appreciate the effort that went into that. This uh, Theonauts episode. If you just can't accept it, David, (laughs) I'll start my own podcast. (laughs) Be called the Theo Peoples. (laughs) That would air once every six months. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. I quit. Wow. How's it going? That's really good. That's really good. It's going good, dude. I'm busy, obviously. Well, me too. I taught Blakely how to say I'm busy. Really? So it'll be like, Blakely, come on, it's time to change you. And she'll be like, I'm busy. I'm busy. And I'm like, no, you're not busy. Come on. But I'm busy. Oh, man. Color <laughs> in with awesome. the crayons. Yeah, it's great. Ooh. So- Oh, we lost some. That was weird. It went in one ear and not in the other. Yeah, so if you're listening in stereo, you're enjoying the stereophonic sounds of the Theonauts. Yeah. Wait a minute. There we go. I, th- I think we're in both ears, right? Sorry. Yeah, now we are. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Yeah, especially seeing how we got some feedback <laughs> about our audio week, quality. Like, Your audio quality sucks. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> First uh, off, disclaimer, we're in an upper room of a coffee shop. <laughs> We are not professionals. This is not our day job, <laughs> like, obviously. Yeah. Or we would be doing this every day. Yes. <laughs> Which would be nice, you know. If we get enough patre- Patreons, maybe we can do this every day. Who yeah, knows? I don't know. It's if every single person who downloads drops five bucks. I, yeah. Per episode. Per episode. Yeah. Maybe we should just start charging per episode. Nah. No, no one would listen. To you don't think so? We're not that yeah. important yet. No one. We're not on demand. I'm not a celebrity. Is that what you're saying? Gosh, we need to start interviewing some bigger people. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Well, um, I did have a. No, go ahead. I had a correspondence with like Derek Webb, and that'd be really cool to to get him on. I yes. just have to message him again. So uh, you know, there's several that that we could talk talk to. Yeah, and well, I've I've also got some other ideas that I mean, I think we if we hit some of these indie uh, Christian uh, Christians that are making music out there, I think that we could get some. We need to get secret help servant each other. on. Oh yes, we like they agreed, but we never did. We, it. we didn't have the time. That's right. Whenever they were here, and they're doing some, um, they're still doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. They just released an album. Of um, of their songs with strings, like kind of a 
symphonic. Um, yeah, like an ensemble type of nice of uh, thing going on. Do you like my Concer- word concerto? Symphonic. That's a pretty good word. Yeah, you nailed it. Thanks. Yeah. So school starts next week. I can week. tell you're an English teacher. Yeah. Speaking you're of dropping that. those all that um, educational words. <laughs> educational. <on laughs> yeah. It's great. It's awesome. Yeah, uh, school starts next week. I'm super excited about that. So I got third through fifth graders um, gearing up to come back to my classroom and learn about Jesus and English. Mm. So uh, that'll be a fun time for me. My summer is gone, and I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah. And I feel like I didn't get half as much accomplished as I wanted to. So that... Um, tomorrow we're moving Dylan out of our house, the second of the boys to go. And so it's just going to be me, Christina mm-hmm. and Blakely. And, uh, I was going to say it's going to be quiet around the house, but that's probably not true. No, cause it's, it's always crazy with Blakely Yeah, and the boys were always working or gone doing something. I mean, they're, they're adult boys, so that's what they do. But, uh, anyways, Christina's been <laughs> going through some withdrawals and crying a lot and that's been fun to yeah. deal with and. I'm sure it's been a blast. Yeah. So that's my life. How about yours, man? Yeah. Um, good. It's still crazy. I'm still I'm still employed. That's good. And <laughs> keeps us going. <laughs> and um um it's getting used to this corporate environment and this group I'm a part of now is like huge. Right. Like population of i don't know 40,000 employees or something ridiculous like that and uh do you ever feel like you're in the movie office space kind of well <laughs> i don't know it i always do anyway i just love <laughs> using right. the stuff from that because there's been times in my past where i have been exactly <laughs> exactly where those guys are <laughs> i'm a people person i'm a people person what's wrong with you <laughs> So you're saying that, uh, was he saying like the mail service could do your job or something like that? I have eight bosses. Eight. <laughs> so that means every time I screw up, I have eight, eight. people telling me <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, uh, the one thing that the corporate environment definitely changes is no one gets in a hurry for anything. Wow. So, that's good and bad. It's good from the standpoint that I'm non- I'm under really no pressure right. to try and get the things done that have to get done. But at the same time, I can't get anything done because I need help from other sure. people. It's like, oh, we have a complete department for that. They're in Florida, by the way, right. which is a different time zone than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got people in California, people in Florida. Florida. I'm in Texas. Yeah. And so anyway. That's hilarious. It's just It's been really, really busy. Do you miss first funding? Uh, well, they're still there. It, it, they're just... Uh, is it under the moniker First Funding? Yes. Yeah, they're still under it. But uh, wow. they're they're opera- operating as their own little entity, yeah. part of First American. But it's uh, but First American's huge, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just... I don't know. It's interesting. It's busy. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. But it's it's also good stability. So Awesome. So, uh, But outside of that, yeah, everything's been going... Uh, Everything's been going pretty good. The the way is still growing. A thing. Yeah. That's a great thing. Still growing. You know, you got to think it's been almost three years. Yeah. Oh, it's been over three years, right? We started in... No, that's right. Started in November, in, it'll be three years. In November, it'll be three years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 
Wow. Go figure. Yeah, seriously. So I've been there almost as long as I've been at F- I was at FPC. Really? I thought you were there. What were you there like five, five years? years. Right? So over half. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah. You haven't kicked me out yet. <coughs> I'm pretty amazed. You haven't kicked me out yet. We both have been kicked out before. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we almost so, kicked each other out, which is awesome. Yeah. I love those discussions. We had literally every you guys. I wish we could video. We should videotape sometime our behind the scenes sitting down to do Theonauts episode because it's it's literally like almost an hour and a half to two hours later from when we originally <laughs> sat down and we have been discussing theology this entire time in and very, arguing back and forth in a very civil. Yes. And loving way. <laughs> and laughing at each other yes. the whole time. So it's oh my goodness. It's so funny. And these to do are that. points that would that in other circles <laughs> people would be screaming Gosher. at each other. <laughs> You're not a Christian, David. <laughs> I can't believe you believe that. I didn't say I believe that. <laughs> That's like half my thing. Because what I do is I propose these wild ideas, and Jeremiah goes, no. <laughs> no, I don't do that. I go, no, that's all right. I'm like, that can't happen. Like, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just interjecting thought into the conversation. Listen, I got this whole thing figured out. I, I've got a handle on it. It's it's in it's in a box. It's it's covered. It's labeled theology. <laughs> I've got it in a box. Yeah. Right alongside God. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, we've been having all kinds of fun. <laughs> we have been. So today's topic. And so we're gonna try not to steer too far away oh, from man. the topic. It, it's it's today's topic is it can be divisive, and it, it we're jumping into a part of Romans today that has divided many a people and burned many a heretic yes. in its time. So uh, <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun with that so today, but try not to uh, burn each other. So yeah. we'll see how it goes. We're, we won't we won't go too far up in the left field. A Calvinist so. and Armenian walk yeah. into a bar. All right. <laughs> All choose a Guinness. The yes. Guinness chose you. I'm joking. I don't know. I made that up. Okay. All right. I don't so, know where you're going. Me on neither. This. No. Um, <laughs> so, uh, did we want to start with the parable? Yeah, let's do that. Um, okay. So the, the topic kind of came from well, a couple of different areas. So it's like when the spirit speaks. Yes, should listen. Um, <laughs> this has been like um, a couple of different things. I started a series, an ambitious series on the Book of Romans yeah. <laughs> at the Way, where we're going to do... And- which, which, if you know anything about the Way, he gets the pulpit every third su- or every fourth yeah. Sunday. So... Uh- <laughs> To walk through the book of Romans. It's only 16 chapters. Once every four Sundays. And I'm going to need a couple of sermons per each chapter. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Um, no. Yeah, so anyway, I started the series on Romans. So Romans has been on my mind anyway. And uh, Romans is an important book anyway, but it's an important book for me because um, it changed the way I understood the gospel. Sure. In an, I mean, completely in a nutshell, it was 
it affected me like it affected Martin Luther, like it affected William Tyndale, mm-hmm. like these guys that were in a system that did not operate in a Romans environment, like a letter to the Romans environment. They operated in a Roman, holy Roman <laughs> type of environment. Sure. So, um, but reading upon reading, it was like, what? This isn't what I believed. This is not what I was raised with. This is not, you know. And so, um, so anyway, it's an important book for me, and because it changed a whole lot for me. Well, and it, <clears throat> it's it's Paul's theology book, and I would say it's Paul's greatest work personally, um, because it lays his theology out. I agree the way it does, and it's a linchpin book. <laughs> For the gospel, mm-hmm. more than anything else, it lays out that lays out the gospel, and so it's kind of important. It it addresses um, the very problematic uh, debate between uh, works and grace, and right, and so and it almost all Christian faiths land on one side or the other. Sure, I say Christian faiths, Christian denominations. Whatever divisions of Christians, <laughs> yeah, they, they all kind of uh, fall into almost one of these sides or the other, and um, and so it, it's been a ever since, well, ever since uh, the first century. I mean, obviously, right. he Paul had to write this letter for a reason, exactly, and he actually had to write to the Galatians, kind of explain things to them too, right? So um, it's very important. But anyway, this. <clears throat> this whole uh, book was on my heart, on my mind, in my studies, and then I've got uh, good friends coming to me and saying, "Hey, I'm studying grace. Tell me what you think about this." I'm like, "Really? Well, hmm. Just so happens I'm, <laughs> I'm in that. In that, yeah." And uh, so a question came up concerning Israel, and um, We'll get to the where the question comes from in just a minute, but let's start in um, in Matthew twenty two because what we're going to be addressing here is the need for Israel's unbelief, right? And so it all starts with <clears throat> the question about parables, and so in order to do that, we're actually going to read a parable. Yeah, and so this we're parable forward past our. Passage that <laughs> questions parables. That, that brings the question up. We're going to jump over to Matthew 22. And the reason we're pulling this one up is because it actually kind of addresses exactly what the question the addresses. So yeah. here we go. And again, uh, I'm reading out of the ESV, Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14. It says, And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, See, I prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered. I've got fat calves, but I've never slaughtered them. And everything is ready. That was stupid. Come to the wedding (laughs) feast. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. 
So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in and looked at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. All right. So, <clears throat> all kinds of stuff going on in here. Yes. Um, so, what's your initial take on the purpose of the of the parable, Jeremiah? My initial take is to explain. Well, I think my initial take is Jesus explaining or showing mm-hmm. why in a cryptic way, in a cryptic way, why the nation of Israel was rejected or why why they weren't invited or count, why they didn't come into the wedding feast yes and why other people <clears throat> were invited to come into the wedding feast mainly gentiles that yes. that's everybody else and the only way into the wedding feast is to wear the garment which is the garment is Christ the idea is uh those dressed properly are ones that that sur- have surrendered to Christ have, have become Christians. Yeah, and so that's that's what the parable, in my understanding, means. Awesome. I'm completely on the same page. Okay. So especially, um, I've actually used this whole thing about. There's a lot of question around this guy who doesn't have the wedding garment on. Yes. And it's like, what are you doing here? And it, he gets kicked out. Right. Um. But the interesting thing is he's he's a part of that whole party until he gets to the king's. Parlor, which means that there are people in the church yeah. who will go to church all your life, and you think that they're part of that party mm-hmm. until the king kicks them out. And, and it's the king's right to kick them out, not yours. Right. Anyways. Which, by the way, falls in line with a ton of other parables. That's right. And especially in the Matthew wheat and 13. The tares. Yeah. I mean, the fish ton. in the net. Right. I mean, there's there's all this talk about uh, about this happening. Sure. Um I do think it's very important. Uh, it's a good symbol of um, being changed. So like in Galatians, it says, for all of you who have been baptized in Christ, I'm not talking about, it's not necessarily talking about the physical going into the water, but has been baptized in completely submerged uh-huh. in Christ, have put on Christ. Yes. So there's a... There's an exchange of garments. That That's happens. right. And if you weddings were awesome metaphor oh, that, yeah. that Jesus used more than once. Um, I think it's been a metaphor but, from before time. <laughs> yeah, but but Jesus spe- specifically uses it in reference to him uh, with the with the ten virgins. I mean, there's all this other stuff. Sure. Um, but in this particular one, it's. It helps if you know Jewish traditions of weddings because some of this read a lot more clearer to the people of the day than they read to us. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if you were invited to a wedding, you were expected to wear certain things. Right. And it was very common. It was uh, actually usually what happened was the wedding garments selected by the wedding party or whatever – they were at the door. So when you came in to the wedding, you put on your wedding garment. Your wedding garment and you went into the wedding. Right. So 
the fact that somebody was in the wedding or in the in the ceremony or in the feast without having put on the garment that was provided at the gate or at the door means this guy shunned right. the garment is a direct <clears throat> is a direct disobedience right so this whole concept of not wearing the garment i believe is a great example of Maybe someone who is uh, in that cheap grace mindset or whatever, you know, they're, they're going through the motions. Maybe they're legalistic. They haven't actually grasped and put on the salvation Christ. of Jesus. Yeah. But what they're doing is going through the motions thinking that the actions are what matters. Exactly. Okay, so that's just a side note. The real point here is about... The nation of Israel. The nation being called to this wedding and not showing up. Yes, and so he had to go into the highways, in the byways. <laughs> he had to go out into the. <laughs> oh, that's great. He had to go out and find anyone who was willing to come, and bring them in. Right. And that's going to be basic the basis for uh, the study. Yes. Because there was no reason to go out into the highways if everyone who was invited showed up. Right. But the very fact that they didn't show up or didn't show up gave a reason to go out and invite others. And so uh, jump back to Matthew 13. Uh, this is where I'm going to set this up for just a second. <clears throat> Matthew 13 is the introduction in the book of Matthew to parables. Right. Um up until this point, Jesus spoke very plainly and very clearly whenever he would give sermons. Sermon on the Mount, obviously, is in Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, you have other examples where Jesus is speaking to a crowd. He uses very plain language. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. This is what it means to... You've been taught this, but I'm saying that. I mean, he gave all these very clear sure. teachings, and everyone understood kind of what he was saying, uh, whether they agreed or not. They at least understood... Yeah. What he was saying. In Matthew 12, something very specific happens. He heals a guy from a demon. And it's witnessed <laughs> by Jewish right. leaders. And the Jewish leaders go, whatever. You, the only reason you can do that is because you serve Satan. You're in alliance with Satan. You're in alliance with him. And, of course, Jesus gives us these very wise words about Satan would never do that because a kingdom divided against itself wouldn't stand, which maybe we should wisen up and be at least as smart as Satan. Sure. And not let our divisions be divided. Yep. But anyway. uh, That's a side note. (laughs) Side note. So anyway, uh, he makes this whole statement about the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, and uh, which is confusing to many people. But basically what he's saying is like, you know what? The only real sin that exists here is the fact that you won't accept what's right in front of your face. The Holy Spirit has given it to you. It's been placed right here, right in front of you. The son of the very God of the universe is standing right in front of you, and you can't see him. Mm. And his whole point is, if you can't believe, if you are refusing to believe this, like if you're refusing in the midst of every piece of evidence I could possibly give you, then there can be no salvation for you. Right. And he's not saying this is an unforgivable sin because you know it's some checklist thing and people are afraid, have I done the unforgivable sin? No. If you're worried about that, you haven't done it. Right. Like that's the whole point. Right. Like the whole point is he's saying 
if you won't accept this belief, then you have no hope. And it's very telling to me that the very next chapter is whenever he begins Switches. preaching in parables. Right. Now, when I was growing up, I would hear preachers say things like, well, the reason why Jesus spoke in parables was because these are simple farmers and fishers, and so he would use stories that they could understand so they could... Un- no, they we, were confused. Right. He comes, he comes right out and says the reason he's speaking in parables, and I would hear that too. Growing up, uh, from people I, I even trust and love, and go, man, why are you reading the reason that he's saying this? Because yeah. it's such a confusing thing, his answer mm. to why he's speaking. And a lot of which, people didn't want to buy yes, into this. Which is why we're doing the podcast. Exactly. <clears throat> so in Matthew chapter 13, right after his first parable, mm-hmm. uh, which is the parable of the sower, which is actually, it could be a very confusing parable. Right. Um, the disciples come to him in verse 10 because they're confused. Right. And they say, uh, so I'll just read it. Go for it. Verse 10, it says, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance but from the one who is not, who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For the people's hearts has grown dull. And their eyes or their ears can barely hear. Their eyes have been, they have closed. That's a telling verse. Mm-hmm. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Okay, so this leads to the a question, question that was presented to me, yes. which was, why would Jesus not want them to hear and understand? Because he says, I would have to heal them. Like, I would have to, I would have to give this gift to them right. if they heard it and if they understood it. And um, so, to me, this is... This perfectly explains also the whole unforgivable sin thing mm-hmm. in the previous chapter. Because he's, what he's saying here is that these people, they have the ability to hear, but they're, they never understand. Like, and they have the ability to see, but they can never uh, grasp it. Like, it's right here in front of them, and it has been withheld from them, or they have used this to... Um, uh, <laughs> We try, we're going to try not to get into the whole Calvinism debate. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's all right, so, and it'll be fun if we do. So yeah, go ahead. No, but but the, whether or not, however you want to look at it, sure. Okay. The 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 point being that without their blindness, without their deafness, without the, them not listening, there is something that will not ever happen, and that is what where we're going. Right. And the whole point that it's not that Jesus doesn't want these people to hear and understand. In fact. 
Matthew 23, 10 chapters later, he's shouting at them, you brood of vipers, you have, you've killed the prophets that have been mm. sent to you. And, and he's just, he's furious. And at the end of that, I mean, we recently watched this in the yes. visual Bible. Isn't that, wasn't that a very cool? Oh my goodness. I love the way. You Bru- should go watch that. Yes. If you haven't seen the visual Bible version of Matthew, it is a word for word NIV, like it's a video. Right. But there's not a word in it that doesn't come straight out of the NIV. Like it's word for word. They even put the verse number in the corner of the screen as it's mm-hmm. moving through. But Bruce Mar- uh, Marciano is the actor who plays Jesus. Some of it's kind of corny because this is like 90s sure. video or whatever. But um, there are places where it just completely excels for me. And one of the places is Matthew 23. Yeah. Because he gives such this heart-rending version right. of this. And at the very end of the chapter, whenever he falls down on his knees in the video mm. and basically says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long I have wanted to bring you in under my wings like a hen would do his chickens or her chickens. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's like, it's not that Jesus didn't want them or didn't, didn't care or didn't, or wanted them to disobey or wanted them to not believe. That wasn't the, the point. He wants to heal them. His point is that there's a bigger picture you guys can't see. Right. And that's why he says, it's given to you, my chosen ones here with me, to understand what I'm teaching because you're going to have to carry this beyond me. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not given to them because if they understood this truly, well, then they would have, I would have to heal them. And if that happened, it would prevent the very thing we need. Right. It would prevent crucifixion from even happening. Exactly. And because, think about that for a second. If the nation of Israel accepted him as the Messiah... Then the high priests and the leaders of Israel would not have crucified him. Right. And he never would have suffered for our sins. That's right. He never would have paid the price for us. And therefore, the gateway would not have been open for Gentiles. Right. <laughs> and Which is a big deal. Yes, and so imagine how confusing Matthew 22 was to them. Oh, man. Because uh, hindsight, 2020, right? We're looking back now going, sure. of course it makes That's sense. That's exactly what he meant. But in their, from their perspective, this would have been the most confusing thing in the world. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? Right. The people invited to the wedding didn't show up, and you started inviting other people. What does this have to do with anything? Right. And I think largely it was given for future generations and not for the people he was speaking to. Sure. And uh, and so that begs the question, and I think Matthew 22 really answers this question, by the way. It begs the question, so Isaiah writes that they will be, that God will use them being turned away, right? Yes. That God will literally harden their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so should we go to Romans 9 and... and Let's talk about that. Isaiah first, okay. because I love this. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's Isaiah chapter 6. Okay. Um, Isaiah is a prophet to Israel at the time, and uh, he's dealing under the, the reign of uh, Uzziah. Right. And <clears throat> everyone, almost, everyone, when they read this story, they stop where we're going to pick up. <laughs> 
because it almost it's almost like this triumphant thing. Okay, so just in case you don't know Isaiah six, you have this this ha- thing happening where Isaiah goes into the temple and uh, of the Lord, yes, <laughs> and he he actually. Has a vision. Sees a vision of the throne That's of right. God. He goes into the holy. Yeah. Right. So he, he's in the holy place, and all of a sudden, it's full of smoke. God's voice speaks. He sees uh, seraphim, angels with six wings, right. flying about. Um, he is just come. He says, "I'm undone. Um, I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of unclean lips, amongst people of unclean well, lips. Uh, I'm going to die." Now, back up just a minute, the reason why he says that. I'm going to die. There's been examples of right. people coming into the presence of God, and unclean dying. and dying. We, exactly. I don't know if we've done, I think we've done a Theonauts on this, but we probably need to do it again because it's an important thing. Have we ever done one on the temple itself? I don't know. I don't think we have. But we did one on cleanliness because this is what it, this ties to. We should really do one on the temple. But uh, anyways, go all ahead. Right, next week. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great okay. topic. Okay, so um, Nadab and Abihu yes. were sons. Strange fire. Oh, yes. Oh, strange fire thing. Oh, it just reeks me. <laughs> okay, so Nadab and Abihu, under, they, they were the sons of Aaron. Right. Yeah. And they were the first priests. Yeah. Sacrificial priests. Exactly. To go into the Holy of Holies, right? And um, there was all these rules where they had to do. They had to be consecrated. They had to do, go through all this stuff. They had to be prepared. For the situation, they were given all these these things to do, and um, what did they do? They brought quote unquote strange, strange fire from the camp into the holy place, and they got struck dead. And most people, on a cursory reading, will well, it's because they disobeyed God and they didn't do what He told them to do. That's not why they died. Okay, they died because they were unclean. They took something that was not consecrated into the presence of God. Right. And God had said, if you come to me in an unclean state, you will die. Right. Okay, so they, it wasn't like they weren't warned. Okay, so... That's a whole other episode, and you can listen yes. to that one. So go but. back and listen to the cleanliness <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so anyway, they came in and they died because they were unclean. This mm-hmm. is why Isaiah's freaking out. I'm unclean. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I have not been consecrated as a priest. Right. I don't belong here. Right. And that's whenever the seraphim's like, I'll intercede. Okay, model of Christ coming. He reaches and he gets the coal from the altar of incense, mm-hmm. which, by the way, was the offensive part of the Nadab and Abihu. They brought the a, a wow. wrong coal. They brought something else other than the consecrated the, yeah. coal. And this coal, in this instance, is an image of Christ. Right. So the seraphim takes the coal from the fire, places it on Isaiah's lips, and says, you've been purified. Right. You can now come into the presence of God. Sure. Okay, so that's uh, Jesus wiping you clean. You can come into the presence of God. That's all free. All that going on. Okay, Okay. verse 8. And then everybody, yeah, it's like, get to the point, David. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I love this stuff too much, I can't stop I know, talking. I know, I totally get it. Okay, so <laughs> so anyway, he, he, uh, he says, I'll do anything you want, God. Like, who wouldn't? Sure. Like, yeah. I'm in the presence of God. He just cleaned me, and I can be in his presence. And the, Send me here The I first am. thing he says is, here I am. Do with me what you will, because God says, who am I going to send? Okay, so that's this is where it ends, where Isaiah goes, here am I, send me. Great story, end of the thing. You know, close the book. Tell us what we should do. Altar call. There you go. Let's do it. Okay, but, <laughs> but what happens in chapter 8, or verse 8 on, is very interesting. 
considering what we're talking about. Yes. Okay, so if we look here, and I'm also in the ESV, it says, And I heard the voices, verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and say this to the people. Okay, so now we have what the, what the mission is. Right. Okay, so the mission is, Keep on hearing, or say this to the people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and their eyes and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn to be healed. Mm. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the lands and though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Okay. Woo. There's a lot to unpack in here. Well, I mean, there's so much prophecy in this that it's just... <laughs> it's so amazing because, obviously, Isaiah can't do this for this long mm-hmm. because uh, God went beyond Isaiah's lifetime in this description of That's what's right. going to happen. In other words, until you die, Isaiah, this is your job. Exactly. Now, first off, with small eyes like we often have, and we think, you know, God's called me. How many, how many times people are all, God's called me to this. Well, usually if it's something pleasant, God didn't call you there. It's, it's usually the things that kind of suck. Totally unpleasant. <laughs> that, that God calls you to. And this is no exception. Isaiah says, how, how long do I need to preach this crazy thing you've told me to preach? Which is basically, listen, but don't listen. Look, but don't see don't understand what I'm saying. Like, that's his calling, is to preach something that's so confusing, and if you read the rest of the book of Isaiah, we're still awful confused about it in places. Right. Now, I don't care what your eschatology teacher is telling you, <laughs> there is some confusing things in it. Sure. Right? And some of it points directly to Jesus. Some of it points to... Eighty seventy. Eighty seventy. Some of it points to us something else. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. The, it's confusing things. Sure. All right. And he says here that you're going to do this until everyone goes away and their cities are gone. And okay. So what happens after the kingdom of Israel? So he's preaching to Israel, right? What happens after? Um, this kingdom that we know of, that they knew of, what happened after that? The kingdom of heaven. Well, yeah, ultimately. But, okay. But what I mean is, is from their perspective, the kingdom ended in like 720 BC. Oh, yeah, When Assyria right. showed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. They and, carried off. The, and yeah. carried them all off. And then, to top it off, Judah went away yeah. and went to Babylon. Babylon, uh-huh. And what's he describing here? Until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away. So there was the uh, 
diaspora, Mm -hmm. which was the Jews leaving Israel. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that also continued on in future times as well. Right. So how you apply this, Godspeed. (laughs) But the point here being that you're going to have to keep teaching this. I believe he's talking about until Jesus comes. I think that's what he's saying um, whenever he says, and uh, the Lord removes people away and forsaken places that are in the midst of the land, and a tenth remain in it. Some people will point this to Revelation. Whatever, if you want to do that, it's great. Uh, It will be burned again. Uh, But here's the important part. The holy seed is its stump. So he's talking about there's going to be uh, trees cut down here, right? But the stump matters. There's going to be some growth that comes out of this. So basically, what he's saying is, Isaiah, your job is going to be unfulfilling. Sorry, but it's okay because the future will exist. There is a hope in the future that extends beyond you, right? But the point is, they can't listen until a certain point. Now, Jesus, in the passage we just read, says, this is why I'm teaching to you in, in parables. parables, is so that they this will continue. So they can't... I'm doing the exact same thing that I that God commanded yes. Isaiah to do. Amen. I'm, I'm being Isaiah at this point because it's not time yet right. for them to get me. Sure. And so uh, this is what leads us up into... Roman. So what happens there to Jesus after all of this? Jesus, they'd never believe him in his lifetime. He's killed for us. He's taken to the cross and he is resurrected. He's buried and then resurrected. Right. Which gives us salvation. The stone that the builders rejected. Yes. Has become the cornerstone of something new. Yes, which comes right out of the passages we're about to go to, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So, you were going to go to Romans. Romans. We're going to start in chapter 9, I guess, if you want to do that. <laughs> of course I want to do through, that. We could go through Romans 9 to 11. Yeah, I don't know about, you know, all of Romans 9 through 11, but... All right, we'll hit but, to it. But, uh, but in, case, in case we're talking outside the box here, Romans 9 through 11 is ha- about this very topic. It has to do with Israel. Yeah. So, uh, let me back up just a little bit. Romans is the gospel story, like it's his gospel teaching, right? and why the cross was important, why works account for nothing. So he has to come back to and address that idea of the law or works, or for that matter, the Jewish nation, which is for them the promise of mm-hmm. of God and God's chosen race, meaning right. that if you were born in the Jewish nation, your salvation was inherited with that. Right. Okay. And in Romans 6 and 7, he says a lot of things about the law mm-hmm. that would be scary to uh, born... religious. Yes. Born and raised <laughs> Jews are, right. are, are hearing what he's saying in this letter in chapter 6 and 7 going, whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what do you mean? You just said, I'm dead to the law? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, uh, so there was all this... This ambiguity, because if you're raised Jewish, that right. is, as you said, that's sacrilege, that's uh, that's blasphemy. Sure. And here he is saying the law is going to be fulfilled. You're sure. dead to it. Um, so he has to give us and and a couple things to some tie, explanation to tie into that. Uh, so they were blindly blindly practicing the law, 
up through Jesus's time. Right. Um, they, especially if you look at the Jewish leaders, they were like straining in a net, swallowing a camel. So they yeah. were doing the letter of the law, and not only the letter of the law, but the letter of the Talmud, which they <laughs> added upon the law and mm-hmm. trying to do all this stuff. But their hearts were far from God, uh, and you can see that, especially in uh, you brought up Matthew chapter twenty three, yeah, where Jesus just land blasts them, calls them whitewashed tombs, brutal vipers, mm-hmm. and all that. And so, uh, um, some people might beg the question: the reason I preface that is because we're going to read Romans nine, and we're going to talk a little bit about hardening hearts here. Yeah. So uh, Romans chapter nine. Where do you want to start? Uh, where do you want to start? Um, well, I, let's read the first couple of verses okay. simply because this is this kind of tells you why Paul addresses it. Sure. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To him belong the, to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So he starts this thing off by couple disclaimers. The first disclaimer is, I wish that my brothers, my Jewish brothers, would believe in Jesus. Yes. I want them to personally. Second disclaimer, they were given the law, the covenants. They were the chosen people of God. Yes. But then verse 6, he changes to it. Well, it changes a little bit. He says something very interesting, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. (laughs) And not all who are children of Abraham, because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise Mm -hmm. are counted offspring. So what is the promise there? For this is what the promise said. There you go. Go ahead. <laughs> About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. Okay, well, if we go into Galatians 2, he goes into this in chapter 4, mm-hmm. and he talks about the difference between the children of promise and the children of flesh. Flesh. So mm-hmm. Abraham had more than one son, That's right. but only one of them was of, of promise. promise. In other words, what did God tell Abraham? He said, that the world would be blessed through your descendants. Right. That's the promise. The world will be blessed through you and through your descendants. And he's talking about uh, Isaac specifically. Exactly. And his descendant, Jesus, who through him the entire world was blessed. Right. So we then are considered, if you're, you're a follower of Jesus, are considered a child of that promise. Yes. Right? Yes. So you are a descendant then. Of Israel. You're adopted. You're an adopted As son of Israel. As he said in chapter 8. Right. So adopted yeah, he's, sons. He's following it, this up. Exactly. All right. So, um, and not only so, verse 10, but also when Rebekah conceived children, one man, our forefather Isaac. So he's explaining this whole Isaac and then through Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, right? He's reminding yeah, them of Jacob, yeah. Esau. Jacob, have I loved, but Esau, have I hated. Uh, and that's in verse 13. Um, so he chose one and not the other. 
Verse 14, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will compassion whom I have compassion. So that it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who was mercy. Yeah. All right. Then he gives the example of Pharaoh. Harden, I will show my power upon you and harden his heart basically, mm-hmm. um, so that I might show my power. Well, yeah, let's talk about that just for a second. Yes. So, okay, so... Um, That's why I wanted to go back. Cause yeah, because... hit that. It, and there is a lot of... Um, you know, it's hard to get into these specific passages and not get into a bunch Ag- of... At least acknowledge the, the, whole, the elephant in the room. Yeah, the whole Calvinism right. uh, debate, because these are... Passages that uh, that a lot of this argument hinges on. Mm-hmm. Here's my big thing about it. Paul has a point he's trying to make, and I think sometimes we can get bogged down in the weeds and start trying to build our isms around the specific words that are being said instead of listening to the point in the narrative. Okay. So, although I have opinions about you know what's what in all of that argument, <laughs> there's. To me, there's a bigger a, a bigger thing that's being uh, focused on here, and that God does use people and people's hearts for very specific reasons, especially when it pertained to the salvation of the world, and that Jesus had to go to the cross. Yes. And so there were things that had to happen in order for that to happen, one of which being Pharaoh and being the children of Israel, being in bondage and having to be set free, because all of that's a model. Like, there's models in the Passover, right? Mm-hmm. For Jesus, there's models in the Red Sea for Jesus. There's models in the in in Mount Horeb in Sinai for Jesus. The giving of the law. I mean, it's like it's everywhere, and it's so it's like it all had to it all had to transpire the way it did. The thing I think is cool here about Pharaoh is that it says, um, "This is the purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you." And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Yes. So this goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier that we don't disagree on. That <laughs> yes. That God's glory is the ultimate goal. Is the fulcrum of all of this. That's right. Like like God's glory is the goal. Yes. And as much as I as I'd love to say God loves you and wants the best for your life, He's more interested in His glory. Glory. Mm-hmm. Your salvation brings Him glory. That's by right. The way. Amen. And so, um, and, and this goes all the way back to Ezekiel and Jeremiah. There's passages all throughout the Old Testament that speak to the fact that God's glory, His name, is the ultimate goal. And so, in doing, in hardening Pharaoh's heart, mm-hmm. he got glory, mainly setting the Israelites free for His glory. Right. In hardening the Jewish leaders' hearts. And using parables and cryptic messages, he got glory. And this is really interesting. God got glory through crucifying Christ yes. so that you and I oh, dude. would be saved. Yeah, and I have to, I have to just bring this up because it, it – man, I love the way the Spirit works. The Spirit symphony that I always talk about. You know, sure. you've got these different instruments and they're all playing – but it's all the same tune song. Mm. And we've been going through in our life groups, we're going through the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. And this is one of the things that this week, you know what our topic was, suffered under Pontius Pilate, died, 
crucified, died, died buried. buried. So, uh, so this is like the whole point of that is exactly what you just said. Right. The glory of God happened through the most horrific thing That's right. ever. Like, he makes beautiful things out of ashes, huh? Like, yes. <laughs> like, this is, like, gut-wrenching whenever you think about how much we love Jesus and what he went through um, for us. But there was a there was a bigger picture, and there was a... It speaks to um, both how much God loves us, the cross, speaks to how much yeah. God loves us. It speaks to how much God hates sin. Yes. Like... Uh, one of the things that the study brought out is that the Romans had really dialed into how to kill somebody in the most horrific way possible. Yeah, in the most gruesome way. Like, that's the most painful and honestly slow mm-hmm. way of execution. Should have lasted a couple of days at least. It, yes, easily. The only reason it didn't is because of the first part of that I believe statement that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. If he had not been flogged, Nearly to death, because he received 40 lashes, Right, which is, by the way, under the Roman law, was the most you could give if it was not an execution. It's called a half-death or something. Yeah, because you were like, uh, 41 was considered a, an execution or something right, like yeah. that. I mean, it was like, there was a reason why they stopped there, because any more than this mm-hmm. w- could kill a man. And so, here's Jesus, beaten to the point of death. Then asked to carry his cross, right, and and suffer the what happened at crucifixion. Amen. Um, so I mean, it's just it's horrific. It shows you how much God hates sin and how much Jesus loves us because he could have stepped down from that. He he could have walked away from it at any right any moment. And so it you know it it also shows us that God. It's not that God was unloving in his hardening. Of the Israelite hearts. Right. And in fact, you can see that God is loving through the passage in Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus cries out, O Israel, O Israel, how I long to to shelter you. Like, he, he loves us. Right. He loved Israel, and he loves Israel, but he was using them for his glory in saving nations. Right. And so that's the reason... For these parables. And That's the whole purpose. You know, one of the telling things in here to me is, and this, I know you and I have talked about, uh, you know, Calvinism has been something that we've skated around a lot <laughs> in the Theonauts. <laughs> in, uh, in our personal lives but, for how long? <laughs> but, it's, but it's one of those things where, and I guess uh, one of the problems that I guess I have with any ism is because it tries to contain God in yeah. a way. Like it says, this is the model. It's the problem like, with systematics, man. Exactly. Systematic theology, anytime you're like, okay, I have figured it out. God <laughs> thinks this way, and he acts this way because he's this. And it's, uh, my problem with that is uh, what, he, uh, what Paul emphasizes here twice in this little group. He says there, uh, verse 15, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have mm-hmm. compassion upon whom I have compassion. And then drop down verse 18. So oh. then he has mercy on whom whoever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. Will you say to me then, why does he still find fault? 
for who can resist his will? But who are you, old man, to answer back to God? What will, will what is molded say to the molder? Why have you made me like this? It, 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 it comes back to the mere question, stop trying to be God. Try, stop trying to figure God out. Right. Instead, look at how glorious what he did did for you. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's the point of these passages. These passages aren't to build some sort of systematic theology. They're made, they were written in order to point us to his glory and right. that he is in control. And the, this passage specifically, jump down to, it's very interesting. A lot of people like to focus on the the 19 through 24, but then they miss 25. As indeed he says to Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. The whole point that Paul is trying to make is to show us how Gentiles were grafted into yes into Christ yes. and grafted into the chosen people and that's his message that's the whole thing it's it's not about it's not about this choosing stuff yeah. it's more about god using the circumstances to bring about the conversion of the Gentiles. It's a her, plan right. of salvation that is <laughs> amazing. Her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. In this very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, and they will be called sons of the living God. So praise the Lord that God hardened those religious leaders' hearts. Mm-hmm. Because you wouldn't, you and I wouldn't be here today debating right. Right. <laughs> this stuff at all. And so it's very interesting. Um, going back to, he says here in verse 27, he says, And Isaiah mm-hmm. cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. Yes. So think (laughs) about, okay, so yes, he's quoting Isaiah, and let's see, I I don't have written down which passage in Isaiah he's quoting, but it's not chapter 6, but chapter 6 is where this is the seed. Right. He says Where it begins. Yeah, he says the stump is the seed. Once all this is cut down, there's a remnant. That is left. And, of course, this is what Isaiah continued to teach, is that there will be a remnant. Only a remnant of them will be saved, for the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. As Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts has not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. In other words, wiped out completely with no future. Um, Man, I just... I'm. St- I still got stuff for chapter nine, actually. Oh, and I have so much more, but it's, I. Uh, you know, you, you can because he's if, from nine to chapter eleven. He's laying out this entire argument about Israel's unbelief mm-hmm. and the fact that God does not leave them in their unbelief. In the end, uh, there will be a mystery that happens. So the last couple verses, Israel's unbelief. Mm-hmm. What shall we say then to Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it and this righteousness by faith? But then Israel is left away because of the law, pursue the law. Um, and then he talks about the stumbling block. Behold, I'm laying Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, yes. should not be put to shame. So most of the Israelites, most of the Israelites did not believe in Jesus. A handful did. And then if you read in Pentecost, all these different Jews who were coming, you know, in Pentecost, and then it just kept growing. But the message of salvation is for everyone. Uh, anything you want to hit in 
Yeah, uh, I want to look at in the first part of chapter ten just for a second. Okay. Um, he says, "Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved." Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think Paul does a really good job in this letter is basically demonstrating that he has no animosity toward them. Uh-uh. Now, it's this is not a letter against the Jews. Right. By and, the way, Martin Luther. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. And in fact, that's that's actually been a historic uh, um, Roman Catholic doctrine uh, issue. Or is an like, issue. No. Yeah, you no. killed my, the Jews killed my Savior. Right. Well, yeah, and thank God. Yes. Uh, Praise <laughs> the Lord. Yeah. Um, and so I know there's a lot of anti-Semitism. 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 We are in Texas. That's right. Um, and so, and we like our Jews over here in Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, so. Whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> so he says, "Brothers, my heart does my heart's desire and mm-hmm. prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge." For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. This was the hard part. This was the thing they couldn't get over, their addiction to law. They equated the law to God. And so to deny the law would be to deny God. They couldn't understand that righteousness could exist without Law, right, the, and it, it as a gift, exactly. And then he spends the the very actually most of the rest of this chapter arguing that no righteousness is by faith, and it it is uh, so. Verse nine, the famous Romans ten nine, because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart one believes and is justified, with the mouth one confesses, and the, it, it, this is not something that is limited to a certain people group. Mm-hmm. This is the cool thing about salvation. The Jews can believe it. Yeah. They can trust in Christ for salvation, just like the Gentile can. Mm-hmm. It's not that God transferred from one people group to another and damned one people group for another. He opened it up for everyone to believe. Yes. And that's Paul's point, by the way. And that's his biggest argument. Yes, and and, and if you think... If you look at it as them and us, he clears that up by the time we get to the end of chapter 11. Oh, yeah. So, um, which is very mysterious, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Romans, we're not going to go into all of that. No. We okay. Can't. Romans 11, verse 1 through 5, yes. um, I think is, is interesting too. So, because it harkens back to this stump, the thing that, that, so cool the way this stuff folds in on each, on each other. So, right. Isaiah was given this job. Christ quotes Isaiah and basically says, this is why I'm giving parables. Paul comes in and says, oh, remember that whole stump thing that Isaiah taught you? So he says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah and how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets and they've demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. He's quoting here from 2 Kings whenever Elijah, by the way, just got through 
kicking the tail yeah. of the prophets of Baal, like or God did, under um, like demonstrated right there in front right. of everybody, and but no one cared. Right. Like this is why I, I, Elijah was like, "What's the use? How much of this do I have to do before people understand?" Once right. again, Isaiah. What was Isaiah's message? See, don't believe. Right. Hear, Here. but don't listen. Here is Elijah calling fire from heaven. It lights the altar on fire. It just consumes everything. Baal mm-hmm. does nothing. Baal is MIA. Okay. All the prophets of Baal killed, but the king and the queen of Israel want Elijah murdered. <laughs> Still. So Elijah ends up in the wilderness. Right. Crying in depression, goes to a cave. And God comes to him and says, what are you doing here? And this is exactly what what Paul's quoting. He says, Lord, they've killed your prophets. They demolished your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I've kept myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Hmm. But if it is by grace, it is no longer the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Right. So he goes back to his whole argument about what grace is. But the thing I, th- I find really cool here is that this remnant thing was not just then. It wasn't just uh, a time of Elijah. It wasn't just in the time of Paul. But it is now. I mean, there is a remnant of Jewish believers who understand who the Messiah truly is. And just and I just love the way all this works together because at the time, you had a model. You had Elijah saying, I'm the only one. I'm the only one, God. Why am I all alone in this? Why can't anybody get it? And and God told him, look, you got to get out of the cave, dude. Right. There's 7,000 <laughs> 7, 7, people in Israel, which isn't a lot considering the population but he's like, there's a remnant out there. That's faithful. And they need you. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know what he did in the next chapter, right? He went and he met Eli- um, Elisha. Right. And he began to mentor that, that guy. That kid, yeah. And that guy actually doubled up on exactly. Elijah's work. I mean, right. it's, so, it's so cool. But, yeah. but he, his point remains that even though they aren't listening, and even though I've hardened their hearts... I've stopped up their ears. Right. There's reasons for it. And and then you look at but 11 and die. verse 11 and 12 of uh, chapter 11 answer the, the whole question. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their fullness mean? Mm. Um. So, you know, the message is that God had a plan. He enacted his plan. To us humans, it looks like it's some kind of a barbaric thing to shut up people's ears. But if it hadn't happened that way, sitting on the other side of it. Yeah. It's not a lack of mercy. It's not a lack of grace on God's behalf. In fact, it's more so. More. Mm -hmm. Because uh, he's having to use... That's right. A people group in order to reach the world. 
And you think about that. That's like he opened the door in such a way that even the people who whose ears were stopped up, whose eyes were 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 blinded, still have a path back. Yeah. They, they're not left out in the cold. They still have a path back. Right. And our response to that should be exactly what Paul's is in verses 33 through 36. Oh. Right? Oh, well, before we get there, though. Okay. I, I really want to talk about this whole thing about here about... Uh, the mystery of Israel's salvation? Uh, no, I, I mainly we just want to talk about our understanding of, of them. He says... Um, oh, let's see. Verse 16, if the dough offers as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches are broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root supports you. (laughs) Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. Mm. And I believe this has been a problem in Christianity. Yes. You're doing exactly what he just told you not to do. Right. Like, don't get caught up in this whole God chose me over them, whatever, they killed my Savior. Uh, <laughs> you know, th- this whole um, them and us perspective. Right. He's basically saying, look, this is by grace that you're even getting the opportunity. Don't look down on them because you could fall just as easily. Your, your unbelief could happen just as well as theirs did. So be careful. That's right. <laughs> okay, you were going to jump down to... Yes, the very end. So his, his, his full answer is, Oh, the depths and the riches and the will, uh, wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him? that he might be repaid. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And that's really the, the answer. We, we can, as much as we try to comprehend mm-hmm. this stuff, and as much as we think, well, if I were God, I'd have done it this way. The reality is we can't, we can't, judge him we can't know even the riches of his wisdom and knowledge mm-hmm. and his ways are inscrutable yeah right and paul even in these passages he makes some very confusing statements mm. at times and it's like it's not really for us to know and i don't even think paul knew knew in what some of what he was saying he was being this is what i'd like he even offered to give up his salvation for them right that's huge dude yeah in fact, that is the definition of agape love. Sure. Like giving up your life for someone, like Jesus said, greater love had no man than this, and the man offer up his life for his friends. Right. What about someone who's willing to offer up his salvation for his friends? Like that's huge. An eternity separated from God because you love someone so much. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a love we should aspire to. Um, but anyway, 
it's he says on more than one occasion this is a great mystery. Yeah. And but the problem is we don't like mysteries. We no, want we want we solutions. Want to figure it out. We want solutions to our mysteries. But you know, sometimes <laughs> it's good just to acknowledge how awesome a mystery, mystery is, right? And just to yeah, revel in it and mm. love God for what he's done for us. Dude, I think we went way over on time. Should I even Oh, I don't know. We've been going oh, just a little over an hour. Okay. Do you want to do some news? Oh yeah, we can. All right. <laughs> And now, the news. A very u- unique statue was unveiled at the Ar- Ar- Arkansas, sorry, I'm so used to saying Arkansas because I grew up in Kansas, <laughs> at the Arkansas State Capitol yesterday. It depicts a goat-headed entity known as Baphomet, seated on front of a pentagram with young children looking at him lovingly. The massive monument is the work of the Satanic Temple, who argue that if the Ten Commandments are allowed to be displayed at government buildings, then so should the monument of other religions. However, state officials only allowed to display to remain up temporarily, but the organization says according to the Constitution, they too should be able to, ha- to be a permanent fixture. At a rally, a Satanic Arkansas co-founder said, if you're going to have one religious monument up, then it should be open for others. And if you don't agree with that then let's just not have any at all. So, literally, if you go to the Arkansas Capitol, you can see a statue of Baphomet. Nice. Yeah. That's hilarious to me. I want to go take a picture of it. I mean... It is Arkansas. Yeah, some people might find it Do we have listeners in Arkansas? I don't know. Some people might find it offensive, but to me, I just think it's such a silly debate. Such a ridiculous thing. Anyways, all right. In other news. We belong to a kingdom greater than this. That's exactly right. PETA is imploring this church to stop using live animals as sermon (laughs) illustrations. There's a church in Tennessee called Cornerstone Nashville. They received a letter from PETA this week asking them to kindly stop using live animals from nearby Zoo Holly Wild as sermon illustrations. Last Sunday, Cornerstone Nashville brought in some animals from South Carolina's park Holly Wild, including a cougar, horse, lion, and ram. A cougar? Yeah, I don't know why. A cougar wow. to use the sermon illustrations. Pastor Galen Davis at one point stood in front of a cage lion and spoke about the dangers of mistaking the voice of Jesus for the voice of the enemy. Then the enemy has a voice, and that <laughs> voice the is cage. a voice of fear. <laughs> he's, like, he's like a lion searching whom he made oh his power and open up the cage. Oh man. <laughs> Not a bad lie, but does that really warrant a lot real live lion in the middle of a church? Can you imagine? Like that'd be so. The kids would be interested, man. It was all their attention. The the devil, the devil, Roar. searching whom he may devour. Gosh. Of course, then he would probably just come out and lay down or something. Yeah, seriously. According to a new report from officials in Belgium, the country has now legally euthanized three children aged mm. 11, 12, and 17. Their deaths occurred over a period uh, starting in 2016 after the country passed the only law in the world that allows children to be euthanized. These the children were suffering from very serious illness. Thousands of other non-minors have been voluntarily euthanized in the country. According to the 
to the law, a child in the country must be in a hopeless and medical situation, constant and unbearable suffering that cannot be eased and which will cause death uh, in the short term. They must also express their desire to be killed by medical professionals in writing, undergo physical and mental evaluations. The law which allows for euthanize, uh, euthanasia um, and euthanasia for children have been extremely controversial in the country and have sparked outrage among the religious leaders there. What do you think about that, David? Um, life is precious. I don't know. I wouldn't want to pull the trigger. <laughs> I wouldn't want to pull the trigger either. It's a very interesting debate mm-hmm. to me. I can see both sides of the argument. Yeah, although me other too. people I can definitely see the both sides. Uh, you know, I and don't don't take that to any extreme. I'm vehemently against abortion, anything like that, but uh serious illness and more bearable, unbearable pain in living. Yeah, I don't know. That's those are arbitrary terms, though. You know, so I mean, one person's unbearable is the other, the other person's bearable. bearable. So true. Two ba- members of the band Under Oath, yes. Aaron Gillespie and Spencer Chamberlain, have released a new video in which the out they outline their issues with modern Christianity. For years, Under Oath was one of the most world's most popular Christian bands, and recently they reunited for a new album. Gillespie has also been a member of other bands, The Almost and Paramore. Uh, the video opens with Chamberlain saying that if he were still a Christian, he'd be dead. He said that after struggling with drug addiction, fellow Christians began to gossip about him, judge him, and reject him instead of helping him, which led him to spiral further into addiction. The duo also said that they feel that much of the modern modern church is interested in selling the idea of perfection that is ultimately unobtainable. This, they say, contributes to the isolation people feel when they have struggles with the Christian community. Yeah, we've talked about uh, this several times on the show, too, that the, especially the quote-unquote Christian rock mm-hmm. um, community deals with this a lot. Like, that's one of the big messages of a lot of the, of the music is about breaking free from um, the judgments and the prejudices, you know, uh, about church the, sure. the church culture and how uh, we eat our own yeah. instead of loving one another and helping each other through their problems. And um, so I've listened to several of these interviews, by the way, because they've been interviewing all over the place mm-hmm. about this. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, first off, I, I want to just say that I'm a pretty big fan of Gillespie. Uh, he's, he, yeah, they didn't do a whole lot of Christian lyrics in Under Oath. Uh, there's one song that I can think of that actually is kind of pointed toward Christianity, but most of it's just kind of, uh, you know, hopeful lyrics. Sure. Um, but Aaron Gillespie was also part of the Almost, which is has a lot of Christian themes in it. Right. And he's done worship albums, uh, solo albums, which are straight up worship, you know. Sure. And um, <clears throat> so... He's made it very clear where his stance is. Um, Spencer Chamberlain is in a little different boat, I think, because he's gone through 
he's been church hurt, obviously. Yes. And um, it's sad to me that people can actually let um, Christians define Christ to them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, sometimes Christians can be pretty ugly people. <laughs> They're not pictures of Christ. And uh, it makes me wonder what those two, what their conversations in private are like. Because I can't imagine Gillespie not telling Chamberlain, you know, hey, don't judge all, don't judge Christianity, don't judge Christ right. by who these people are. Instead, judge who the people are based on Christ, you know. And, and Sure. And uh, so anyway, I just find it very interesting. I know one of the big things that came up was on this new album, <laughs> there's apparently some foul language or something on it. Right, some the F, F word is F, dropped. F bomb is dropped mm-hmm. in it. And uh, and of course, the Christians immediately, well, what? This is yeah, a Christian exactly. band? What are you doing? And once again, which makes their entire point <laughs> that, you know. That Part of me thinks they set out to do that. <laughs> Oh, they probably did. Yeah, because of they've been actually uh, in, you know, getting interviews all over the place about this, and I haven't even really heard the album yet. Right. So obviously they are promoting it from this perspective. Um, so anyway, I just find it interesting. I think there's a good point involved because we do eat our own, mm-hmm. and Christians are worse to each other than they are anybody sure. else. And I think that's that's an awesome thing. They're drawing light to that. I think it's great. But uh, it's it's kind of the same thing. You know, I, I was a huge, uh, growing up, a huge fan of uh, Cabin Call and then yes, yes. respectively um, Derek Webb. And whenever Derek Webb separated out of Cabin's Call and started writing those albums, uh, you know, it really helped me and really kind of sh- shaped a lot of my theology and a lot of my, my thought process. Um, and blew me away musically, lyrically. It was great, but then it was almost like he fell from the wayside. And then he started getting like it almost felt like he wanted to push the envelope to the extreme, mm-hmm. to the point where it almost felt like he was dropping cuss words in his albums just to be controversial, so that he could get right. Uh, he could basically get um you know an interview or something like that yeah and so that kind of frustrates me a little bit i and i don't know i i guess that's judgmental but uh part of me thinks that's exactly what happened yeah you know what i mean because he wants to still be considered relevant mm-hmm. and so you know it's just an interesting dichotomy and, and however um you know chamberlain we love you so whatever Get over it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the, seriously, yeah. it's frustrating. Well, it's easy for us to say from, I know. from this side of the microphone. That's right. But, that's you know, when right. the people he's experiencing mm-hmm. are, what do you mean? You're a Christian artist. What are you doing doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and not helping. You know, Right. Absolutely. So, Last thing, uh, this weekend, actually, it was, it was last weekend, the New York Times published a story in which a woman named Pat Baron, Baronwowski, <laughs> described years of sexual harassment and inappropriate behavior by Willow Creek pastor founder Bill Hybels. Um, Hybels stepped down as the pastor sooner than he had previously said he planned to following the allegations. I don't know if you remember that. We brought it up originally in March. Um, 
The church in Hybels didn't originally denied the allegations, suggested the women who made them were lying. They also said that they had previously investigated the allegations, found Hybels had done nothing wrong. Since then, however, the church apologized and said they now believe Hybels entered into areas of sin. Uh, but following the latest allegations, Willow Creek Association has announced a new independent investigation. In a statement, they said, let us be clear, the behavior bill has been accused of is reprehensible for many weeks. We have been working together with Willow Creek Community Church and seeking the independent investigation at request, as requested by the victims to examine any and all accusations made and any others in the future. They said they have formed an advisory council made up of external Christian leaders from across the United States who will oversee the independent investigation. <sighs> Bill Hybels. Why? Stop it. <laughs> I liked you. <laughs> Stop it. It's like everyone that you like. <laughs> <sighs> Next, I'm going to hear about John Piper stealing from a bank or something. <laughs> I'm like, I give up, dude. I give up. I liked you, Hybels. Really did. Oh, well. <laughs> Poor Willow Creek. Pray for that whole investigation crap. Yeah. Stop sexually harassing women. No means no. Yep. That's all I got. that all you got? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I am wearing thin, I guess. I guess you are, man. So, are you tired? Yeah, it's like we went way too long before we started recording this. Oh, what time <laughs> is it? It's only nine. Yeah. Suck it up. All let's right. do this. Are you ready to get out of here? Yeah, hit it. All right, let's do this. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. Subs subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all our shows, including The Secret Fire Podcast and Finding Christ in Cinema. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, your favorite podcast catcher. Be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. Tweet to us. Oh, wait a minute. There are several ways. I was reading your part. You were. That's my line. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail. Voicemail. I can't talk tonight. Gosh. Call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter. Using that theonautical like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us like Shannon did... And want even more Theonauts? Drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. All right. Thanks for being with us, Jeremiah. Thank you, buddy. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. Commission What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, Stop it! <laughs>